Welcome to Boot Rap, the voice of the Bootstrap Network. The Bootstrap Network serves entrepreneurs around the globe. Core and 
capability. And I was, I was, I loved the whole story of how your various sales jobs, uh, you know, selling encyclopedias, and selling all the different things, essentially led you to discover this innate talent and then develop it for evangelizing and selling and, and working with, with people on that particular aspect. That is correct. Correct. In fact, a lot of the way I found a lot of things that I was selling yeah. that I didn't like to sell. Right. Right. You know, encyclopedias were cool for a few years, and after all, oh gosh, knocking on cold doors, I didn't like that. Right. Uh, I sold a Various forms of insurance, right. medical equipment, I mean, copy machines, uh, dictating equipment, so much stuff. Yes. So I found that I like dealing with people, yes. but those weren't products, even though they were great products, that I was really passionate about. Right. When I got into the beauty industry, then the passion started coming out. Right. And in the early days, we didn't have any money. Yeah. So we went through this stage, and going into putting the concept together, we knew we needed money. Mm -hmm. So during this stage, I'm putting everything together, mm -hmm. though prototypes, the samples, the demos as you put them. Uh, we were looking to raise money, $500,000. That's what we needed in 1980 in order to start John Paul Mitchell Systems. That's what you thought you needed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, we were convinced we, we needed that you that. You were convinced <laughs> we were going to have that, right? It turned out we never got a dime. Our backer pulled out. So oh, there, oh, oh, awesome. Oh, was like, oh, no, business. So there we were yes. with our prototypes. Yes. We knew at that point where to buy the bottles. Right. We knew where to get the various stuff because we had been putting it together. There was no money. Right. So it was a matter of my partner and I put $700 together, $350 each, and that's how we started our company. We uh, arranged for 30-day credit with all of our vendors while we were putting it together because right. we thought we'd have all the money necessary. Right. Well, now it's time to perform and we weren't able to. Right. However, we did ask our vendors that instead of ordering right now 100,000 each of the bottles and the caps and the silk screening and the fill, uh, we'd like to order a sample order <laughs> of only 10,000 bottles. They really? said, oh, I understand, of course, only 10,000. And they gave us the same price as 100,000, but we had 30 days to pay. Only problem was the guy who did our art wanted $1,000. We didn't have $1,000. Oh, right. We told our story. He took all 700 and uh, we made it on very slim means. Uh, yes. It took us, by the way, about two years to pay our bills on time. So two years of the VOD oh, yeah. in the Valley of Death stage. From that demo time when you and, and Paul met and, and got it all together to the time when you launched, right. two years. What I look at it opposed to, you guys called the Valley of Death. Yeah. Let me say, look at that period of time as not the Valley of Death, mm. but the Valley of Opportunity. Absolutely. Because during that time is your opportunity. That's right. Yeah, it's scary, but you're putting everything you have forth and you figure out a way to do it. There were, for the first two weeks, I slept in my car. Yeah. I ate off $2.50 a day, but I figured out a way to get breakfast for 99 cents and uh, during happy hour, uh, later in the afternoon, right. I'd have a bunch of chicken wings and salsa and one margarita, and that was dinner. I remember that story when you came yeah. and spoke to <laughs> That was perfect. Sure. So, so that, that whole idea is that, that the, the business is essentially evolving, and, and resources show up, and, and you don't have to have it all figured out right in the ideation stage. Yeah. Right? Now, now you, had this very, you ended up with a very unique model, which you even preserve to this day around the whole uh, only selling through salons and things of that nature. Right. Now, did you have that idea? when you started or, or did that kind of begin to emerge over time or how did that shake out? The idea of selling Paul Mitchell only through salons was the original idea and it was a darn good one. I could be twice my size if I sold it through drugstores and supermarkets. And by the way, if you ever see Paul Mitchell in a drugstore or supermarket, it is counterfeit exactly. or black market. We right. don't put it there, don't buy it. Right. But the reason we pick salons and we still think it's the best way to go for the customer 
is because only a salon can tell you not only what product to use on your type of hair, but how to use it properly to maintain your best look the longest, especially in between visits. And no drugstore or supermarket can ever tell you that. Exactly. Now, now, now Paul, when, and you, you've met Paul before, even you started when you guys got together in Hawaii. It was, yes, right? Paul and I. You met before. Yes, we were friends uh, for nine years before we started John Paul Mitchell Systems. Now, you're, oh, so you, you've known each other and developed this friendship and relationship of some, of some kind. Yeah, we were just buddies for all these years, and when we started our company, Paul was a great hairstylist, really a great one, like a super hairstylist. Yeah. And I was in business. I did the business, marketing, sales, and I knew about putting formulas and products together. Right. So it was a perfect relationship. We never argued. Well, you have this complimentary, that's one of the patterns I've seen is this complimentary relationship between, you know, I use the terms maven, relator, evangelist, but you, you being the evangelist, the going out there and selling it, and you being more the maven or the relator, the, 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 the guy with the, with the kind of, Know, the knowledge about the... Oh, no, he was an evangelist, too. Paul was one of the greatest spokespeople. So he had two people out there, which you want to call the evangelist, talking about the product, and we had full belief because with his hairdressing knowledge, we knew that by having his hands all the time, using it on hair, and only a hairdresser knows what hair really needs, yes. much more than a chemist in a laboratory. Right. So we knew we were in the right way uh, and going down the right line. Now, here's something else to do, too, is in your early stages, especially your demo stages of whatever your product is, right. develop it not to sell the next year or two. Mm. Develop it, if possible, be around for a long time. Make it that good. Mm. The quality of the product or service is as important as the high, high port promotion. Today, which is 27 years later, our first product, Shampoo One, Shampoo Two, and the conditioner and the sculpting lotion are still very good sellers, wow. which is rare in the beauty industry. But they were made that good, and every year that they could be updated, they were updated. They could be made better, they were made better. Sure. Now, where was that? Where did those? Where did the, 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 the formulas or the idea for that? How to put that product together? How did uh, Paul come up with those? Or how did that? Show, how did those show? Well, we knew he is a hairdresser and means sales and marketing. We had to have a different twist. Usually people used to shampoo twice, especially in a salon, shampoo your hair once, shampoo it twice. They'd put conditioner on, leave it for 10 minutes, mm. you're laying there in the back base and come back and rinse it all off, mm. go about things. So we developed a shampoo that in most cases you only needed to use once, mm -hmm. save time and money at the back basin. A conditioner that you didn't put on the person's hair at the back basin when you shampooed your hair. You'd bring them to your chair, mm. and it was a leave-in conditioner. Ah. You'd put it on their hair immediately. It would be a moisture treatment, a protein treatment. They could cut the hair easier. It shine. It was a little bit of protection against the blow dryers in those days. Mm. It was all in one. It was very reasonable to use. So you were so, changing around some of the. You were looking at what the natural flow was and what, what was happening with products before that was kind of unnatural. And saying, let's, this makes more sense to do it this way. Let's make it faster and easier and not more expensive. And that's what we did. We found a way to make it quicker, easier, and save time and money. And that's how we launched John Paul Mitchell Systems. And then uniqueness with sculpting lotion, where we, I think, created the wet look. We put sculpting lotion on, and you put waves in your hair, straight, whatever you wanted. Right. And when it dried, it stayed that way. It right. was shiny. And then if you wanted it... Uh, Fluffy just combed it through the same way of in your hair. Right. And it was fluffy and it didn't flake. It was like a setting lotion that didn't flake. And the world was ready for something unique. Right. And so that was that, that timing. It was something you couldn't have necessarily predicted right. either. Yeah. But that That's was the case. We thought it would work that way and son of got it caught on. In other words, if you produce a service or a product that gives somebody 
more than what they wish for that makes their life better because of it, you have a very good chance of becoming successful. Right. Now, one of the things that, that you've talked about before, and, and I, I call constraint creates innovation, the idea that we, we think that we need that $500,000 know, to get the thing going, but actually constraint is our ally because it's going to force us to innovate and come up with new things. Sure. Uh, and you, you have sort of two examples that you point out. One is about the, the, the very distinctive <laughs> black and white sure. uh, labeling, or, you know, the, the printing. And the second part being that you, that because you didn't have the money, you, you got someone else to produce the actual product first before you would probably eventually have your own factories and things of that nature. So is, does that resonate? I mean, were there some other examples, or can you tell us more about those, that, that process of how constraint really is your ally? Sure. In those days, starvation <laughs> was the ally because right. we had to right. eat, so you right. had to sell something. So right. uh, in order to create distribution, if you have no money, you've got to do it yourself. Mm. You've got to be innovative. Mm. We'd go to a distributor, they'd say, hey, we don't know you or your product. We have 20 like it. Why do we need you? Right. So what we did in this stage, and I'm going to the next stage, which I call the value of opportunity. The value of opportunity, okay. beautiful. Once a product was made, yes. I went out there personally, and so did my partner, Paul. Yeah. And we knocked on doors, door to door, beauty salon to beauty salon, selling our product. This is in LA. That's in Los Angeles. And in wow. Los Angeles, then we would do a beauty show in other places. But in LA, I'd go door to door. Paul did the same thing in Hawaii he was living there at the time and right. when we did shows we did it together uh, and I would let's say go to 12 salons or I would probably go to 50 salons to get 12 to buy what I had right, right, and right. Then once I had it I had 12 checks in my hand because I would deliver the order on the spot and take their check uh, now I went to a distributor and said hey I want to tell you about the new John Paul Mitchell systems we have shampoo one we have shampoo two right. we have a conditioner and so forth yeah. and I'd like to be my distributor it's a great product line. Here's why it's unique and different. Knowing he would say to me, why do I need you? I've got all these big companies. I've got Redkin. I've got Matrix. I've got L'Oreal. I've got Zotos and you know, everything they had in those days. Right. Right? You know, why do I need you? I got Jeremaga, you know, Nexus. You know, why, do I, yeah, why do I need you? These are all big companies by big people. They're corporations, whatever. Why do I need you? And I said, well, because here's your first 12 accounts. Oh, it wow. sells. And he goes, oh, wow. I said, now, if you'll take just a $2,000 order, you could have an exclusive in Los Angeles as long as you only sell it to salons. And he says, you know what? I'll do it. You gave me my first 12 orders with checks, but will you go out and sell with the salesman? I said, of course I will. I will go out there and guarantee the sale that you will sell and the salons will sell and the customer will like it. I'll give the customer the money back. He said, it's a deal. I went out to my car. I drove it around <laughs> the back of his warehouse, and then, though, then as Jim Hendrietta, who was my first distributor, reminds me, yeah. he says, JP, you're out of my office three minutes. All of a sudden, my warehouse guy called and said, hey, there's some guy here delivering confidential <laughs> products. He says, the floor, he says, he was just in my office. So he laughed his head off, and I also got a check. I said, I really need the money because we have to pay our bills. He gave me a $2,000 check, and the next day I was in the office with him, and I went in the field with the salesman, and we sold every single bottle he reordered. Wow. So, so he bet on you, and you know, it's funny because I'm, I'm thinking back and the story that's coming to mind is Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak when they, when they put Apple together, and, and Steve walked into uh, this, this electronics store and managed to get an order for 50 of these apples, sure. and that's what convinced, in fact, in his case, Woz was very reticent to actually leave his job at HP, but that order was actually what helped sure. him to get, to 
convinced that, wow, there's something Exactly. Here. It sells. Here's 12 salons. I thought it was a good idea, and I'll be here tomorrow morning to sell with you. Right. Right. So now that was interesting, too, because you're, you're actually selling to the to the hairdresser, not to the custody, the end user where the product is on their hair. Right. Well, you're selling to the hairdresser. That's correct. We're selling to the hairdresser because the hairdresser first has to be convinced. Remember, we had no advertising budget, mm. that this product was so good. Yes. And it's so good for the hair that they want to use it on their customers and recommend that their customers take it home to keep the same look in between visits. Mm -hmm. And that's what we promoted. What the hairdressing industry needs is a hairdresser that believes in something so much that they say, here's how you use it to sculpt your hair mm -hmm. or to do your hair. So in between visits, it looks similar to what I did in the salon. Right. So we also filled the niche in the marketplace with that, what their customer wanted. In other words, we didn't want to sell to the salon. We wanted to help the salon sell through to their customer with quality products, which we still have today. Right. When people recommended salons a Paul Mitchell product to use on their customer's hair, the hairdresser knew, God, this is incredible because mm -hmm. I'm using it. And I know it's going to be good for your hair. Mm -hmm. It'll make your hair look good. So, so you didn't try to, you weren't, essentially, you weren't competing with with someone in an existing value proposition, you found your own. We that created something new. That is correct. You, you completely came up with something that was that was yep. not being served at the time. So that is correct. And without the advertising dollars or anything else, we moved right through it and finished going through the valley opportunity and then had that opportunity. And then, of course, once we got out of what, that valley of opportunity mm. and our company all of a sudden became successful, yes. our next thing was to make sure that we did the same thing ongoing. Right. We made sure the quality was there. So when we talked about the features and benefits, they were just as exciting, just as cutting edge on our new products as they were when we first launched our product line. We did forget what brought us there. Right. And today, John Paul Mitchell Systems and all Paul Mitchell products are known as unique, cutting edge, what fills the need in the marketplace right now, and they stand behind their quality because it works all the time. Right. So then, so essentially now, so we've talked about a pre-ideation being sort of an awakening process of passions and talents. Sure. That the ideation being the demo, let's go get, the, what is it, what are we going to create? That is correct. The value of opportunity, I think I might have to rename it the value of opportunity. Uh, being okay, now you sell. You've sure. got to go find that customer and find out what, what it is that they're, you're offering to them, what they sure. really care about, and put that together. And now you're talking about this, the growth stage where essentially you're building yeah. the organism, so the organization behind it, so you can reproduce. And, that is correct. And, and put it all That together. is correct. And you don't forget uh, that the people that work with you, very important, are you. The people that work with you are you. You treat them the way you want to be treated. Right. And don't treat them as a boss. Treat them as a business associate because that's what they are. They're going to make your business, not just you in the future as you grow. And don't ever forget that. Treat your people as good as you can. Right. Like at Paul Mitchell, we have free lunch for everybody. If you carpool, you get your gas. There's just so many things we have. It's the way we want it to be treated. So as you grow and go into your final stages, that's what you want to remember to do. Right. Do unto others what others do unto you. Exactly. So then you're, you're basically coming in and you're now saying, how do we systematically take care of people, take care of the organization? Because that becomes the sphere of concern for the founder. That is correct. So the role is really a parenting role that, that keeps changing as you as you go through. Now, you started this. Uh, you started this. Uh, By the way, cut for now. We have about three minutes left. We've already got about twenty minutes. Okay. Sure. Let's go. Okay. So here's the thing that um, to, to finish this out to the final stage. Uh, now, I call the final stage rebootstrap. Where, where you, st you spend this time in the growth stage, just building the scaling and the system and everything else. Where you bootstrap things like John Paul, John Paul Pat, Desiree Diamonds, and Patron. Tell me about that. Now, is that is that a, is now are you taking the same process and simply 
applying it to other things, or how do you see that? What we apply, it's not the same process because Patron is not sold through beauty salons. John Paul Pet is sold through beauty salons and some of the top pet stores in the nation, and some of the veterinarians carry John Paul Pet also. But it was different. We still found the need in the marketplace where its best form of distribution would be. It was amazing how salons, I think the majority of their customers probably have pets, and they love John Paul Pet in there to you know, be able to offer their customers as a grooming aid. But we did the same thing where we had a unique product. Why is it different? Why is it better than what's on the market today? Would the end user appreciate it so much they want to reorder? Mm. And would the quality always stay there and improve the quality as time went on? And that's what we did in these products. So it was kind of the same feeling, even though in some cases it was a different marketplace. But the same, shall we say, genuine uh, culture of feeling good, feeling good about the product, Take care of your people. And another thing, too, I want to add here is mm. when you're successful, if you don't share it, you're a failure. Agreed. Success and share is failure. And teaching new students, new people coming into uh, the industry, why success and share is failure, how to be the best at what they possibly can be. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So, so that, so that, so that rebootstrapping John Paul Pet is kind of a, using the using this using all the stuff that's happened with JPMS. And then saying, okay, what's the, what's this whole new thing that we can do using a lot of these? That is correct. Whereas Patron or something else is really completely taking a completely new idea, starting it from scratch, and then taking that back from ideation and so on and so forth. Yeah, but with the same ideals. Right. Uh, how does it look at first? Put it on paper. Put it together. Who do we want to sell it to? How are we going to sell it? And you get these ideas in mind first. No matter how big you are, how many companies you want to start before you come out with it. Just remember good ethics and give your customer the highest quality you can or don't do it at all. Right. If you can't give your customer the highest quality service that you possibly are able to do, or the highest quality tangible product, don't do it. Mm -hmm. There's just no point. So, so the only difference right. between successful people and unsuccessful people, I feel is that the successful ones do all the things the unsuccessful people don't want to do. <laughs> right, they don't do want to do it. And do it good. And do it well. Sure. So, 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 let me, so tell me what for you is, is, is the compelling principle, like we have constraint creates innovation, Right action, right time, use everything, demo cell build. What, of this bag of tools, what would you say strikes you as, you know, the, the, or, or a particular stage? Is there something that strikes you as being, that's the one, that's the one thing that resonates with you a lot that you'd like to share? It's really all the stages, but the one item that would resonate the most is have passion in what you do all along. Mm. Then you stick with it. If you don't have passion, you're going to lose interest. Mm. And realize that. It's okay to fail. It's okay to knock on a hundred doors and only one says yes. It's okay to fail. Because that one that says yes, now next time maybe it's 90 doors and two say yes. And you build, build, and build until you eventually get as long as you have the passion. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much. Peace, love, and happiness to all your bootstrappers. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Boot Wrap. I'm Brian Massey. This content is copyright 2006, Bootstrap Network, all rights reserved. Our thanks to Charlie Crow and the Podsafe Music Network for our theme music.